I just wanted to make sure that I had them in the right order. I think one of them is the whatever version of Word I have at home, and the other one's the version of Word I have at work. Sweet. So, yeah. All right. Ready? Then I do it on my lunch. I don't do it while I'm getting paid to work. <laughs> Sit and I eat my sad salad, and I watch episodes of 90210. So should we call you Brandon? Yes, because I am alone. Okay. Forever alone. All right. All right. Hello, and welcome to Donna Martin Graduates, a podcast where we watch old episodes of Beverly Hills 90210 in order and try to figure out why Brenda's such a bitch. Really? That's what I do. Huh? Oh, okay. okay. I am one of your hosts, Andrea, not Andrea. And I'm your other host, Kelly, and can someone figure out why I'm such a bitch? This week, we, I think it's abandonment issues. <laughs> this week, we watched season two, episode nine, Ashes to Ashes, also known as, look, there's actually black people here. Hey, look at that. So this week, um, the episode starts with a bunch of old people sitting in the Walsh's living room while Brenda and Brandon look on. And there's a man in the front of the room staring at his watch. Apparently, he is timing the 90 seconds, then tells everyone that although it may not seem like a long time, it is just long enough for them to be robbed. Ooh, scare tactics, my favorite. White people and scare tactics generally works out well for everyone, don't you know? Yep. So, of course, this guy is selling security systems, so that's why the scare tactics. And apparently Jack and Cindy Walsh... <laughs> it did, I caught, so it was Jack and Candy Welsh, so at least I caught one of it. <laughs> I tell you. The typos are sometimes the most favorite thing about this. Um, that I, I part over. swipe texting. Oh, it's Jim. I bet you, you know what? It's Jim and Cindy. I bet you. It was wrong. It's Jack and Candy Walsh. <laughs> Not Jim and Cindy Walsh. Oh, jeez. Those are uh, the better parents than Brenda and Brandon. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Apparently, Jim and Cindy Walsh have installed a security system in their home. Maybe Jim and Cindy. Should... <laughs> I caught it and didn't even fix it. I just mocked myself. That's what I did. <laughs> I was feeling sassy that day. I guess. Ooh. Really? Oh, no, I know I did that because that's what he called them. <laughs> oh, he called them Jack and Candy he called Welsh. Them, he called them Jack and Candy Welsh. <laughs> Now it all makes sense. Good gosh. Okay. Let's start over. Okay. Even though that was funny that I thought we just effed up. Okay. <laughs> Apparently, Jack... <laughs> you do this now without laughing. <laughs> Apparently, Jack and Candy Walsh have installed a security system in their home. And maybe Kim and Cindy should introduce themselves to those people. Also, the security system guy is super good at remembering things. The next scene, we join Cindy and some old biddy talking about how someone in the neighborhood was robbed in broad daylight. The lady then complains about some of the other people in the neighborhood before remarking about the quote-unquote new people that have just moved into the Walker place. You can tell just by the way she says it that this lady is racist. Then we're at West Beverly and we are watching the gang through the lens of a camera. Is it David? Nope, just a regular camera this time. David only prefers watching through a video lens. 
So why is he only taking pictures of the main characters? Clearly, there's got to be other people that attend this school that are way more interesting or attractive. And why is he photographing Kelly yawning? We then meet up with Dylan and Brenda, who are most definitely a couple again. Brenda is also continuing to rock the menswear look, and I am here for it. The crowd goes wild. All right. Brenda <laughs> wants to know why she hasn't met Dylan's mother yet. Dylan tells her that she doesn't want to. He explains that his mom listens to tapes of wind chimes in the car. I mean, I listen to Tupac. We all have our things. I was listening to Glee today. Like I said, we all have our things. Uh-huh. <laughs> Back in the journalism office, Andrea tells Brandon that she thinks they have gotten themselves a staff photographer. His name is Robinson Ash Third, and Brandon refers to him as Old Chap and talks with an accent whenever he says his name. That Brandon. He's so clever. So clever. Andrea asks him to go track the kid down and talk to him about joining the staff because she can be intense. And also, he is on the editorial board now, so he needs to do things besides just sit around with his feet on the desk, as, you know, he's currently doing. He agrees and is off to hunt down Robinson. In the test classroom, Brandon spots a pasty white guy wearing a button-up under a sweater and assumes he is Mr. Ash. But when he says his name, the young African-American man behind him turns around and introduces himself. Brandon says that he hears he's pretty good with a camera. Robinson asks if he's good enough to become the next staff photographer for the West Beverly Blaze. But to Robinson, snapping photographs of the school band practicing. Uh, and they're not very good pictures, let's be real. Mm-hmm. They're way different than the pictures that Andre was looking at on her desk. <laughs> Brandon stops by to see how things are going, and Robinson pretends that it's super hard. He's silly, just like Brandon. So silly. <laughs> oh, those boys. He then asks Brandon if he lives north of Wilshire. Is that like on top of the hill here in Rock Island. Maybe. Uh, Brandon says that he does, and Ash, as Brandon now calls him, asks if Brandon can give him a ride home. Back at the Walsh neighborhood, Cindy rings the doorbell at the new neighbor's house, casserole in hand. It's Cindy Walsh. She, of course, single-handedly mans the welcome committee. The woman introduces herself as Felicity Ash, so we can assume that she is Robinson's mother. Felicity invites Cindy inside, and Cindy tells her that their house is her favorite, but she knows how hectic moving day is. She then tells Felicity that she is the neighborhood captain and warns her about the break-ins in the neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) God. I thought I'd done a better job. There there have been some break-ups in the neighborhood. Also break-ins. I think there's break-ins that are really more important here. Felicity said she has heard, and her husband said that it was probably good that they happened before they moved in. Cindy stands there silent, and then Felicity clarifies that he was joking. Yeah, racism, it's funny. Mm-hmm, yep. Next, we join Brandon and Robinson on the car ride home. Robinson, th- Robinson says that he can get used to Beverly Hills, and Brandon says that he doesn't think he can. Robinson says that we should really shorten his name, God says that it's because Brandon has never lived in the hood. He then says that for as long as he can remember, his father has promised his mother that they would own a house in Beverly Hills someday. When Brandon asks what his father does for a living, Robinson reveals that his father owns Pop's Popcorn, which apparently Brenda lives on, even though we haven't seen her eat since the Slumber Party episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brandon, the entitled son of a bitch, he is. Oh, wait. <laughs> 
I wasn't calling Cindy a bitch. No, I got it. Brandon, the entitled son of a bitch he is, asks if Robinson's father has got free popcorn for his new neighbors. I don't know, Brandon. Does your dad have free accounting stuff for his neighbors? I'm still not real sure what exactly job Jim's job entails, so just, that's, all, that's all I can go just with. Just parties at the Walsh house. Robinson says that he might be able to hook Brandon up if Brandon agrees to give him a ride to school. Brandon agrees to every once in a while and then starts backing out the driveway right into Vivica A. Fox in a convertible and a hat. Now, Vivica is a hat person. Yes. They threaten each other with lawyers and their fathers, and it's all so bougie. She is the epitome of 90s fashion she in this is. episode. So back at Casa Walsh, Brandon is yelling at Jim because he thinks that's the most effective way of communication. Mm-hmm. Don't we know? Brandon doesn't think it's his fault and doesn't want to pay for the repairs to his car. Jim says that he will pay, so that way we don't have to worry about the insurance premiums. Jim is so tired of Brandon's self-righteous shit and walks out. So Brandon starts yelling at Cindy, who, of course, yells right back at him. She says these are their neighbors and that they should make it right because they have to live together. Not together, but obviously in the neighborhood. In the world. <clears throat> she shuts Brandon down and walks out of the room. Brandon tells Brenda that she knows the real reason they're doing this. What is it, Brandon? Oh, tell us, enlightened and progressive one. Brenda, of course, says, for free popcorn. At the Ash residence, we hear Vivica A. Fox, whose name is Cherise. Yes, Cherise. Cherise. Arguing that it was Brandon's fault. Her father, played by Richard Roundtree, that. says that he doubts that since she drives like a bat out of hell, like meatloaf. Uh, Mr. Ash says that he will call his insurance company in the morning, and Cherise says that if he won't sue, she will. He tells her they didn't move there for her to start stuff. And Cherise says, did we move here so we can be a whiter shade of pale? Mm. I don't appreciate the whiter shade of pale comment as a person who is a whiter shade of pale. <laughs> she then asks what she is supposed to tell her friends in Inglewood. Tell them that Inglewood is up to no good. Her father tells her that they moved out of Inglewood to get her as far away from someone named Debo or Devo, I don't know for sure, as possible, but it's definitely not the band that wants you to whip it. Maybe it's Devo from Friday. That's what I thought, but then I thought that would be rated. I don't oh, know. I don't know. Maybe. So we'll we'll say whatever we want. Mm-hmm. You don't know. <clears throat> we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hey, Andrea. Hey, Kelly. Have you ever made a purchase online or stayed somewhere that you uh, saw online? I have. And have you ever left a review for any of those things? I have. Have you gone online and read any reviews before you've purchased or stayed somewhere? Yes, I have. Like the sugar-free gummy bears? Well, I didn't stay in sugar-free gummy bears, but yes, I've read those reviews quite a few times. Well, I read a review about a goat farm in California, and people left positive reviews, but there was a spider that crawled in my hair and a grasshopper in the shower with me, so I wish we never would have stayed there. Oh, bummer. So... Beach Too Sandy, Water Too Wet is a comedy podcast featuring brother and sister Alex and Christine as they recap dramatic readings of one-star reviews written by real people with not-so-real problems, like the goat farm. Like the goat farm. Whether it's a bar's no-throw-up policy, a barista who's just too friendly, or a school psychologist's fashion sense, reviewers complain about it all. And so prepare for equal amounts of laughter and eye-rolling. Kind of like this podcast. Exactly. Each week, Alex and Christine cover topics ranging from strip clubs in Vegas, ghost tours in New Orleans, I've been to a 
ghost tour in Vegas and a strip club in New Orleans. Does that count? Probably. Oh, perfect. Or DMVs in Phoenix. I have not done that. Nope. They nobly delve into the cesspools of Yelp, TripAdvisor, and other review sites to find you the best of the worst. Indeed. So listen to Beach Too Sandy, Water Too Wet on Spotify, Anchor, and Apple Podcasts, or any of your favorite podcast app. You can also find them on all social media platforms at Beach Too Sandy. Bye. Bye. And we're back. Mr. Ash tells his daughter that she needs to go tell Brandon that he will pay for the damage, much to Sharice's chagrin. They end up meeting in the driveway, sent there by their fathers. They talk about everything and actually end up flirting with each other. Obviously, she's a woman, so Brandon's got to flirt. Back at Casa Walsh, the alarm goes off, and Cindy immediately says to call the security company, and Jim says to relax that it's probably Brandon, which it is. He's trying to go for a bike ride before school, because that's suddenly a thing that he does. Neither he nor Cindy can get the alarm to turn off, so she calls the security company. Jim and Brenda come downstairs, and am I really to believe that that's what Brenda looks like when she wakes up in the morning? Really? And Jim gets the alarm to stop immediately, and he's very humble about it. You know, typical Jim stuff. I did it! Hooray! So Brandon goes to pick Robinson up and almost runs into Sharice again. She confesses that she still attends her old school and insults the rich kids of Beverly Hills in the process. Brandon complains to her about... Brandon complains about her to Andrea. And she says that princesses come in all shapes and sizes and Brandon interjects and colors. Hey, whoa, wait a second. That seems like the opposite of enlightened. Andrea thinks there's a story there, and I'm not sure why the students of West Beverly care about someone who doesn't go to school with them. Yep. (laughs) Robinson is taking candy to the gang at lunch, and Donna says he reminds her of David, except he's black. Dylan, who apparently might be our protagonist, says, I didn't know David was black. (laughs) Brandon approaches Robinson and asks about interviewing Sharice. Robinson said he doesn't have a problem with it, but Sharice really doesn't like white people. Same, Sharice. Same. I second that emotion. Sharice, meanwhile, tries to reach Debo at work, but he tells the person who answers the phone at Tamale Heaven that he is busy. That sounds like a great place. It does. Tamale sounds so good right now. I mean, it's just tamales. That's already heaven. Yeah. Uh, Brandon and Robinson come home just as Robinson's parents are heading out. Robinson leaves the room to go get them something to eat, and Brandon, being the nosy queen he is, listens as Sharice lays into Debo, who is less than thrilled about coming to see her. She calls him out on it, as everyone should. And then Brandon tells her that he's a nice guy. Sharice calls Brandon out about listening, basically. Uh That's what I was saying. Uh Uh, And everybody should call Brandon out for being nosy. And then Brandon tells her that he's a quote-unquote nice guy. Yep, nice guys always have to announce that they are nice guys. Uh And she asks to ladies of all colors, and he tells her that it's never stopped him before, and then stares uncomfortably. (laughs) Then we see Brandon telling Robinson that he's going to take Sharice out for dinner instead. Real nice, Brandon. Come over to spend time with Robinson and then leave with the sister as soon as he leaves the room. Nice. Back at Tamale Heaven, Max convinces Devo to go see Sharice in Beverly Hills. And can we talk about how problematic the character of Max is? Mm-hmm. Um, he's a total character, not a character. We then join up with the gang at the Peach Pit, where Brandon introduces Sharice to everyone, and they all act like they have never seen an African-American person before. Except Steve. She's very attractive, so Steve just wants to sleep with her. And Kelly leans over and tells Brandon that this is very hip. 
Um, I'm pretty sure that's racist. Yeah. Back at Casa Walsh, Jim has set up the alarm and the security company is on their way. Meanwhile, Debo discovers that the Ash residence is unlisted, so he doesn't know the exact address that he's going to. I'm guessing these are both important pieces of information. We join Debo walking in Beverly Hills trying to find Sharice's home when he's suddenly accompanied by some corgis. He's trying to lose them when the security patrol drive by. They stop and start harassing him, and he can't tell them his girlfriend's address, so they call the police, because of course they do. Mm-hmm. Things escalate, and he's pushed onto the hood, and the security patrol tells him to give him a reason. Nice. Mm-hmm. Real nice, guys. Sydney gets a call from a neighbor who fills her in on last night's patrol visit, and Brandon goes to the Ash house to get the details. Seriously, he is so nosy. Yeah. Brandon, or sorry, Robinson tells him that he doesn't want to talk about it, and Brandon just keeps pressing him for details. Know your role, dude. Sharice is getting yelled at about her continuing relationship with a high school dropout. Sharice remarks that no one is ever good enough for her father. I'm not sure what her mother is thinking, but she is giving some serious side-eye to her father. What do the writers have against decent fathers? I promise that there really are some out there. At West Beverly, Steve and Kelly hunt Brandon down to ask about his date with Sharice. And Brandon just assumes they want to know about the intruder. Steve asks if Brandon has jungle fever, and I audibly gasped. I got jungle fever. She's got jungle fever. I mean, it was a great movie, but seriously. Right. Brandon tells Andrea. (laughs) (laughs) That's how how plump I was. Brandon tells Andrea about the happenings, and they deduce that he needs to talk to Devo. But I'm wondering why he's doing a story for a high school newspaper about someone that doesn't have anything to do with any of the students there. Seriously. So he goes to find Robinson to find out what Devo's name is, and Robinson goes off. As he should. He tells him that Brandon is just making it worse, and then tells Brandon that he's a user, and that when he sees him, he doesn't see the new kid on the block. He sees the new black kid on the block. And I can't believe I'm about to say these words, but Brandon is obviously upset that someone doesn't think that he's amazing. (laughs) Shocking. So he vents to Brenda, who tells him that it upsets him because he's worried that it could be true. And then some saxophone music plays. And for some reason, Brandon goes to the Ash House to talk to Sharice, who isn't happy about the article that Brandon is planning on writing. And the alarm goes off and Sharice tells him to run off because some Negro... Might be robbing his house. She says that. That's not our editorializing. Correct. He says, you win. I'm the bad guy. I'm the biggest bastard in Beverly Hills. Finally, someone admits it. We've been only saying this for months. They should have just talked to us. Yeah. Right. Back at Casa Walsh, Brandon yells at Cindy about how embarrassing the alarm is and tells her that if she or Jim doesn't unplug it, he will. Because, as we've established, he's the boss in that household. Mm -hmm. Not Angela. Not Tony. Not even Mona. Brandon. (laughs) The security company rep is there with a tech fixing their system. Tells him, you know, he's going to make it up to him. So Brandon asks him if they make reports when they detain someone. And then next thing you know, Brandon is headed off to Tamale Heaven to interview Devo. And Brenda isn't impressed. They argue about his motives and his safety. And he, without a touch of irony, tells Brenda that it's none of her business. Excuse me, what? (laughs) What? It's my business. It's not your business. Oh. This man's a stranger, but it's my business. Just want to make sure I heard yes. that right. Yep. Okay. Brandon pulls into Tamale Heaven and is immediately confronted by a bunch of 13-year-olds that are apparently gang members. So many stereotypes in this episode. Uh, Debo confronts them and gets them to run off 
and then tells Brandon that if he's looking to score, he needs to go back home. Brandon tells him that he's a friend of Charisse's and then asks him if the service patrol jacked him up. He tells Brandon to mind his own business. Deja vu. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon yells at him and tells him to drop the attitude. The entitlement of this guy. And on International Women's Day. Right. Evo asks him why he should, and Brandon tells him that he's a reporter for his high school newspaper, and Devo's got an important story to tell. Devo tells him about Rodney King and that stuff, then that it's stuff that happens every day. The difference is, is that it wasn't caught on video. He then tells Brandon a story about how he is the only one of his brothers that isn't in jail or on drugs, and that his mom had to come pick him up from the ER. Suddenly, Brenda and Charisse and Robinson show up. Charisse and Devo go off to talk, and Robinson relents that Brandon should write his expose. Back at Casa Walsh, the gang is gathered around eating popcorn, talking about how amazing Brandon's article is. What is it, though? I'm guessing. Okay. Because it's Brandon. Yeah. Well, the Ashes and the Walsh parents enjoy, you know, that's who should write about racism, is white people. Rich white people. I know. Yep. Uh, While the Ashes and the Walsh parents enjoy some dinner and conversation. The next day, Brandon and Cherise cross each other on the street, and he asks her where she's going. Why is it any of your business, Brandon? Seriously. She tells him she's off to Tamale Heaven, and her father, she thanks him, because her father is more accepting because of Brandon's article. Because, you know, Brandon's the good guy. And then we never see the ashes again. By the way, where's Emily? <laughs> she was busy this episode. I guess. And that's the end. The end. So what uh, what issue did they tackle in this episode? Well, I'm going to guess racism. Mm-hmm. Police brutality probably a little bit. Maybe just a little. Their, their 90210 version of police brutality. I was going to say, it's a little whitewashed version of... Literally. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that I guess those would be the issues. And, uh, and I think they're against racism. It's hard to tell. Yes. We didn't get to read Brandon's article. Yeah. So. And Steve made that comment, so. Yeah. We're not sure. Yeah. And I guess Brandon's love interest this week would be Charisse. Mm-hmm. Even though she had a boyfriend. But Even that's though never she had a boyfriend. Brandon. And Brandon's kind of dating Emily, Emily yeah. Valentine. But, you know, I guess it's okay for one episode to. Out of sight, out of mind. To take a date with somebody else. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, life lessons in the show. They do. They do. We did promise that. Yes. If your person's not in your episode, you can totally date somebody else. It's fine, guys. Totally fine. Yep. All right. And a really smooth transition. Right. Uh, so what did you have going on this week? Uh, we had a trivia night for Alex's uh, robotics club. That was fun. We got third place. I actually commend whoever put the trivia together because there was an entire category of the movie Pretty in Pink. Mm, I could have done so well. I got one question wrong. What was it? What year did the movie come out? Oh, hold on. Let me try and do some math. 85? That's what I said. The answer was 86. Oh, I almost said 86. Darn it. (laughs) So close to winning it for you. That's what I said. That event that happened already. Uh, but we took third place. That's the first time I think I've ever actually cracked like the top five in a trivia event. So, go me. And uh, currently not really listening to anything new. Um, I have found some new ones. Um, Uncover, 
which is a Canadian podcast. Their first season is about the Nexium uh, cult, and that's been pretty like the allergy pill. No. Oh, I thought that was acid reflux. Oh, I don't know. I don't take it, so <laughs> I just assume everything's my allergy pill. No, I think it's a, I think it's a acid reflux pill, but it's spelled like N X I U M or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. So, but apparently it was some sort of sex cult. Oh. Yes. So I've been listening to that, and there's a couple other ones that I kind of want to delve into. I'm really liking this season of Showmance with Kevin McHale and Jenna Uskowitz because they're recapping Glee and the episodes of Glee, and so it's made me kind of dive back into Glee. You said Glee a lot in that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I can say it some more if you'd like. Uh, I'm okay. I was listening to Glee music on the way over here. Mm-hmm. Yep, we mm-hmm. talked about that. Yep. So that's kind of about it for me. What about you? Um, let's see. We went to see Onward yesterday. How was that? Because apparently I just see kids' movies now. Yeah, but it's a Disney Pixar movie, so I feel like those aren't really kids' movies. Those are everybody's movies. Sure, sure, sure. I thought the movie started at 10.30, and the movie started at 10.45. Patrick's snacks were gone within, like, 15 minutes of the movie starting, which is never good, but he did okay. And then he wanted to refill his water, like, four times, and every time I did, he would get up and, like, wander around. Wander around, so uh, Brady had to get him to sit him down. No, it was a very enjoyable movie. It, of course, was sad, because that's what Pixar does. Especially if you are a person who lost a parent as a child. Oh, crap. Yep. <laughs> Not seeing that movie. Yep, I would avoid it if I were you. Oh, speaking of things that are... So, I've been listening to this the podcast. It seems to be our car trip. It wasn't fun. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you said something about, you know, it, Pixar and making you cry. Oh, so no, that I'm done now. About... I'm done. Sorry. Go ahead. Tell your story. So, there's this podcast called Broken Record. It's by it's Rick Rubin. Uh-huh. And so he did interviews different people or whatever. So, but this episode that we listened to last night was about he was uh, interviewing uh, DMC from Run DMC, mm-hmm. Daryl McDaniel's, and Daryl McDaniel's was talking about like how he was in a dark time in his life, and even though things were really good for Run DMC, like things were really dark for him, and um, what really brought him out, and he listened to it every day for a year was the song Angel by Sarah McLaughlin. That brought him out of depression? Yeah. Because that makes me depressed. No. It, like, brought him out of depression. So, but, you know, they were talking about it, and then they played it. Now, so, as a as a girl who lost her mother, and Sarah McLaughlin was there for me, because my mom loved Sarah McLaughlin. Like, I absolutely did not like Sarah McLaughlin before my mom died. Mm-hmm. But when after my mom died, that was the first CD that I went home and played after we left the hospital. And after that, it just kind of really stuck with me. And so then when that song came out, like, I mean, I literally lost my shit. And so now I usually avoid that song mm-hmm. because it makes me cry. And so we're listening to the CD and then it started playing or so we're listening to the podcast and he was like, well, we're going to play the song. And that way everybody can kind of hear why it affected you the way it did. And so they played it. And I did really good. I actually was singing like the first verse. I sang the first verse and then got to the chorus and I just started sobbing and I'm driving, sobbing, driving and sobbing. 
There's there's a reason they use it for those dog commercials. And so I'm just like, Josh was like, are you are you gonna be okay? Do we need to pull over? <laughs> oh, to be fine. Sounds like somebody who's gonna be fine. <laughs> but he got to meet her. He happened to go to a one of Clyde Davis's Grammy parties, mm-hmm. and he met Ooh, her hasn't. and told her that, um, you know, he's like that song really affected me and I you know he like totally he's like I totally gushed like at her about, about the song about this about that and she was just like you know she's like thank you she's like you know that's what music is supposed to do it's supposed to touch you and and then they ended up doing a song together a couple of years later um but it was just it just like you know there's just songs that you just can't listen that you just like up I generally will start the movie up after all the bad stuff happens, because I can't make it. I will sob, sob like a baby. It's terrible. I'm sorry. I <laughs> you digress or depress? Uh, both. <laughs> so here, here's my take on this. And I don't mean to make light of depression, but if he listened to it every day for a year, maybe it was just because it had been a year, so he just stopped being depressed and had nothing to do with that song. Could be. Actually, they think it was a lot of, because he had also had to stop drinking. Oh, And so he, it had to do with that he had to stop drinking. And so he wasn't able to. Drown his sorrows. Yeah. Well, suppress um, his, you know, how he, his his issues and such. And it had a lot of it, I guess he was adopted and and they went into a, a big story about, about all the things that he was feeling, but. It was just amazing that, you know, music that you think has would have no effect on other, you know, like somebody who does rap would totally find his solace in a Sarah McLaughlin song. Mm-hmm. I love music. It makes the world go round. But that was laughter. I don't know. Maybe they both do. But nobody's experiencing that listening to this right now. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Sad and Somber Podcast. <laughs> Uh, um, anyway, um, so I'm glad you enjoyed Onward, and I'll avoid it so that I don't ugly cry. At least just watch it at home. Or at least remember to wear a waterproof mascara that day. No, I just didn't wear any makeup. It was fine. Okay. That's what I do on the weekends now. Um, I did, and I'm surprised I forgot to talk about it last week, but I uh, listened, I binged Chasing Cosby, which I think it's only like six it's episodes. It's sweater. Um, and it talks about different women that brought claims against Bill Cosby and like goes into to detail about kind of their background and then um, their relationship with Mr. Cosby, as most of them called, and then kind of uh, how they pursued justice, like what avenues they had to go. And it was horrible listening, it's, and especially as somebody who grew up watching the Cosby show. Oh, yeah, man. I wanted Bill Cosby was, to be my dad. Yeah. It just... Uh, it's scary to think that this is this is what's actually you know laying inside of him, and if he can be that way, who you know who else can be that way? But it's a very good podcast. It's very hard to listen to, uh, but I think it's important to listen to just because these women were silenced for so long, and now they're finally using their voices, um, and that and because of that, we should listen and we should believe them. 
especially on International Day of Women. It won't be when this comes out, but it is today as we're recording it. So yay! Yep, we're celebrating by getting up earlier than normal, right? Um, yeah, I remember just thinking that you know when I was a kid that you know I wanted Bill Cosby because I wanted a dad like Bill Cosby, and then I find out that Bill Cosby was no better no better than my other dad. Yeah, I'm just like, God damn it, deceived. There are good dads out there. There are good dads out there. <laughs> I feel like we're <laughs> there are good dads out there. I have a really good dad and my stepfather. He's he's a good guy. Thank God, somebody. You know, proved you wrong. Yeah. Shout out to stepdads and adopted dads. Not my stepdad, though. Not Kelly's stepdad. He liked to hit us, but that's oh. neither here nor there. Well, yeah. I I married someone who is a very good dad. Okay. And his father is a very good dad. Okay. I didn't really know my own father, so I can't tell you. Here, we'll, uh. <laughs> so now back to that laughing part of the podcast. Good God. <laughs> yeah, so my parents, I got divorced when I was three. And my father married a woman who hated kids and then moved across the country. Then he died. Why would you go country on that? (laughs) Because I feel like I'm telling a country song. Okay. And then he died when I was 10 because he was an alcoholic. (sighs) There you go. All right. (laughs) If you're still with us and you would like somber podcast. (laughs) On the Sad and Somber Podcast. If you if you still are with us, please go to Apple Podcasts if this is where you catch your pods and rate, review, and subscribe. Everybody likes five star reviews. Even us. And we are on Instagram at Graduates Donna. No, no, that's that's Twitter. That's Twitter. We're, we're on Instagram at Donna Martin Graduates Podcast. There you go. And we're on Twitter at Graduates Donna. We're on Facebook. We have an email address, Donna Martin Graduates Podcast at gmail.com. We have a, um, whatever those things are. What are those things? Is it a Patreon? Yes. A Patronus. We a have Patronus. One. We have a Patronus. <laughs> yes, we have those things. So, you know, check us out in all the, all the right places. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We just sexually harassed you. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't cancel us, please. They can't. Though. Okay. All right. Well, until next time, uh, we'll be back next week with episode 10, Necessity is a Mother. Word to your mother. That's all I feel like saying today. Right. Anyway. Bye. Bye.